0: Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It. My name is Jeremy White. Bert Deister was here each and every week for your homebrewing tips. Uh, if you have questions, comments, you can tweet at us at NTJustBrewIt. NTHomebrew.com is the website submitting any sort of questions or uh, feedback or anything like that. It's always welcome. Good morning, happy Saturday, happy football season. Happy football season, yeah. Dude hates uh, cancer. The dude hates cancer is today, that is at Resurgence. You have a beer over there.
1: Yep, so So we'll be headed down. We we know a lot of, uh, we've kind of started to see the commotion build up in the past week for it. Uh, A lot of homebrewers coming in and trying to get their beer ready to move down to the event. We can talk about that a bit later, moving your beer. Um, But yeah, no, we're excited. It should be a lot of fun.
0: So. Well, they've got 25 homebrews. Uh, you've done this before, right?
1: Or I actually wasn't there last. Oh, year. Oh, okay, no. I had a conflict, mm. so I wasn't. I wasn't able to make it on either side last year. Well, very so it good. Doubles my excitement for this year.
0: It's funny. I'm gonna. I'm trying to think. I was over there at a Resurgence after you know, Dave came in. I don't want to give away a tip, so I, I won't. Because I saw some insider brewing stuff like one of the things they were working towards was to try and get a certain flavor in a beer and uh i guess i'll just i'll just say this without giving it away candy candies of different kinds can give you different things whether it's you know if you want to go chocolate or um sours cherries like for additional kind of stuff you go like uh i don't know
1: yeah, you see it, you get some of the, the flavor and aroma, you know, a lot of the candies, and I have done this before, are mostly uh, sugar, so you're going to get a lot, of you want to watch the total weight, because you're going to add a lot of uh, table sugar to it, but no, that's really cool, and I know like Rusty Nickel, uh, more than a couple of months ago, and I think they might do it again, was doing a Cheerios beer. Really? And so that was interesting, watching Dave from there empty out, you know, tons of large bulk Cheerio boxes
0: into a mash tun. Now, what would you get out of that? You'd hope to get it to taste like Cheerios or smell like Cheerios. You're
1: going to get a little of the taste and smell like obviously that you know Cheerios is I think oat based mostly, right? And it's going to be toasted in a certain way, so you're going to get some of that flavor, but otherwise you're going to get a lot of starch, mm. so a lot of possible fermentables if you can convert them. Interesting. Yeah.
0: And we've got news of uh, a new brewery coming into the Elmwood Avenue area as well, where uh, Toro and fairies have been. That's going to be a new brewery, so uh, you know the, the scene continues to grow and from what I, I think I read the article online, that it they, they might want to be a little bit more experimental. So homebrewers, I get the sense that homebrewers like to go places where there's going to be Experimental kind of beers. You know, like you go to Resurgence, you're going to see something new, and that's kind of cool. Uh, It's true of any one of the microbreweries in town or uh, craft breweries, I should say, is that, you know, it's not just always the same four beers. It's, oh, what what do we got here today?
1: It's very cool that breweries now make the beer that you want to drink, not the beer necessarily you want to make. Um, Because some of these projects that you're talking about, I'm sure when you're adding a candy to the beer, there's going to be a lot of experimentation involved. And for a home brewer to go through four or five batches, and I know we do this at the shop. Uh, with recipe formulation, four or five experimental batches to get to the one that actually tastes right, just for you to go there on a Sunday and say, oh, let me have one, let me try one. And it's really cool that they're doing that for you, so you get to try kind of the projects. And it's interesting, you know, that because not everyone's going to be a perfect beer, and it's awesome that a lot of breweries don't feel the obligation to... Redo every beer, or you know, have a set flight. They can have a couple of flagships, and then a whole category of experimental.
0: We've had guests from Flying Bison, Resurgence, CBW. You know, when it comes to the local brew scene, you know, we are uh, equal opportunity drinkers. We like all the beer. Oh, yeah. uh, but there's actually one little tie-in that's kind of interesting because we wanted to talk today about older equipment. And with uh, the dude hates cancer today at Resurgence, we'd urge you to go in and check it out there. I know the guys at Resurgence still have, and I think many. Professional brewers, this is actually quite common. Their pilot kit. Yeah, now, they
1: still use their homebrew system. But it
0: might not be the first pot. It might not be the first, you know, yeah. version of each and every item that you buy. You know, for me, you know, I've got, I've got the same bucket, the same pot, the same everything. Everything I'm using so far is the same as the original. So when it comes to the lifetime of your brew kit or the lifetime of each individual item. We're going to talk a little bit today about your equipment and when you know it might be time to make a move from whatever you might be using. Maybe you just, you know, you've, it's it, it's seen better days or you're putting yourself in a position to, I don't know, allow things in the beer that maybe you don't want in the beer. So start to finish, where, where should we, we begin? With old equipment and how to know that some of your stuff has uh, has seen its last it's less brew. Yeah.
1: Well, this is something, it's hard to put. there. You can't put a number on, say, how many batches of beer am I going to get out of this bucket, this hose. You should still keep good notes. You still should be saying, well, how many have I had through this bucket? How many beers have I used with this racking equipment? Um, but it tends to be more of a, uh, you know, qualitative observation than a quantitative Um, And particularly when it comes down to plastic equipment. A lot of home brewers have made a move to plastic equipment because it's a lot safer. There's not the uh, risk of broken glass. Um, It's easier to clean. It's easier to handle. um, And it's a lot cheaper, too. And and really, as far as the quality of your product, um, most of the modern brewing plastics, this doesn't mean the water jug you got from, you know, your local big box store or some maybe food grade bucket that you, you know, uh, you know, purchased with like a you know a couple gallons of paint. We're talking about homebrew equipment you purchase from a homebrew shop usually has a good name brand on it um, has really come a long way over the years and can last a lot longer. But then that also kind of gives the worry that it's not permanent equipment necessarily, especially the plastic stuff. Um, and so there's some stuff you have to look for, and we'll start off first with the thing you should be replacing the most, which is your racking hose. Um, racking hose is the probably cheapest thing that you're going to go through homebrewing. It's cheaper than your one ounce of hops, it's uh, you know, cheaper than a fermentation bucket, the yeast packet that you're putting in there. <laughs> and it's the number one thing that we think you know, homebrewers have problem maintaining and replacing. Things you want to look for is, is the hose still clear, still have some form to it? Because um, it
0: gets, it can get like the, is it precipitate or what, what's the You word? can get
1: a couple, you can get three different, we'll say there's three different white hazy things you'll see build up on your hose. One is precipitate. That's from letting water or something else dry or evaporate in the hose. And with so, hard
0: water, it's more likely to show up and we have hard water. You so got that's something it. you're so, going to deal with.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, the best thing I try to do is rinse out my hose when I'm done with it. So I clean it, leaving it overnight or for an extended period of time in a cleaver can cause pocking. So it's going to create some microscopic holes and gaps, which could then trap bacteria or fungus. So you want to watch out about leaving your plastic equipment for long periods in a cleaner. Um, But with the hose, it's usually you get to the precipitate. So that's water building up. You have like biofilm or usually like a bacteria that's growing uh, aerobically, old on the hose and tends to leave a white film that's pretty easy to get from and then again the cleaners just like to the buckets or other plastic can start eating into your hose and cause some like kind of white opaqueness and so generally if your hose is you know white and opaque and um, you can't get it off you've tried a brush you've tried running hot water through it um, it's time to come in and for a dollar grab a new section of hose and it's that cheap you may want to have a couple extra lengths around in case you need it while you're home so we can move on to the bucket, too. So that's an, another one we see uh, people hold on to, and I know personally, I tend to hold on to brew buckets way too long. I'm well, bad they, about keeping track of how many batches I fermented through each, and you know they kind of start to get soft quick. Go ahead. Bro, wait. they
0: seem they seem sturdy. I mean, they, th- they are that, that seal that seal. You know the 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 when you stamp it down or whatever, when you snap it down, it seems like a very sturdy seal. I would think that the first thing you look for is the seal on your on the bubbler on on what's it gonna look like for the valve
1: the grommet starts to go you might have to replace that it gets torn um i tend to look at actually the buckets themselves the lids seem to last forever uh the one nice things at niagara tradition is we still carry the same brand of bucket that we carried when we opened up so if you have a bucket from 15 years ago you know 20 years ago 22 years ago now um save the lid save the other equipment come in replace just the body of the bucket um things that caused me to get rid of a bucket. I have a known sour batch in there. Now it might be something I intentionally soured, then I'm probably gonna turn it into sour equipment, but sometimes you end up with unintentional sours. Um, One thing I've done a lot is I've used an old homebrew bucket, maybe put a beer on a bottom shelf and God forbid, forgotten about it. And so it sits down there, the airlock goes dry, it goes septic. Um, Usually when I find something like that, I'm not gonna use that bucket for homebrew anymore. Otherwise, if you've just used the bucket too long, the first usual sign is, one, you can see cracks or large scratches. And it's just because if you scratch it once with a brew spoon, you don't need to get rid of it. We're talking about, like, a large accumulation of small scratches here. And usually the end sign is if you've, you know, bleached or PBW'd a bucket, rinsed it off really well, and you rub your fingers on it really hard, and you can kind of see some plastic starting to come off, that's the time to get rid of it. Not sure. for you know ten dollars come grab a new one um, you're gonna put forty dollars worth of ingredients into there it's not worth the risk brew
0: pots Brew pots are good forever. I was gonna say it would seem like it's more durable if you've got a good brew pot.
1: Yeah, if you if you have you know a good brew pot, it's, you know a stainless brew pot with stainless equipment. There's really not much you have to do to it. There's a lot you can do to it, and uh, you know cleaning it really well, hitting it with an acid, say citric acid, every once in a while. Um, you know just like you would for your you know cooking pots and pans to kind of bring back some luster and a little bit of polish to it which will prevent, you know, any stone or caramelization building up later. But usually you end up replacing, um, you know, stainless steel hardware because you're upgrading. Yeah,
0: you want to just get something else out of it, right. What about um, a cooler, like a mash ton? You want to, how long are those good to go? Because if you're, you know, you're using a cooler, you mentioned if you leave uh, plastics in cleaning solution, it starts to have that pocking thing. If I've got Uh, a cooler that it's a homemade kind of deal and I've got 160 degree water in there an hour at a time like over time does that cooler lose any sort of its properties that you needed to have
1: no and and partially because after you mash you're going to boil so it can be scratched it can be beat up um, you don't have to worry about sanitary causes. So you don't have to worry about bacteria, fungus, you know, bits of stuff in there. Personally, I give my mash on a light cleaning and hose it out and let it air dry every time. Um, and it doesn't get much more than that. It never gets sanitized. It never gets really, like, hard scrubbed. Mm-hmm. Um, usually just gets a paper towel or shop towel and some gotcha. uh, Be Bright or PBW. Um as far as the cooler still applies to the white bucket though. If you notice the plastic on the cooler is starting to just degrade. Um, a lot of times this is from being, you know, left out in sunlight or something for far too long or with a cleaner for far too long. This isn't something that happens with the bucket sitting dry in a dark corner of your basement. Um, if you start to see that plastic come off, time to get rid of it. And usually mine is almost 20 years old now, or it might be over 20 years old. And, um, you know, it's still, it doesn't look brand new, but um, still makes great beer. I don't notice any plastic loss or anything like that. So quality products, it's a good Igloo cooler, the same one we sell today. Um, you know, they really last uh, the duration.
0: How about carboy, glass carboy?
1: Glass carboys are, they usually die when they break. Um, I know this because I actually had a crack and a leak um, this past week when I set a carboy down I think it was on a hole saw uh, on a table so I'm lifting like a carboy I just racked into off the ground went to go set up on the table and there was a hole saw and I noticed a crack mm. so I kind of left it for a little while didn't seem like it was leaking but then I immediately came back and realized it was and I had to move it over. Um, there are some things that happen and particularly the glass tends to be prone to the water precipitates because sometimes the glass has a negative charge and um, sometimes your water precipitates will have a positive. And so you tend to get, um, you know, calcium buildup and that's usually solved with a bit of vinegar. Other than that, can you cause like pocking onto your glass? Yes. If you're putting in your cleaner first, usually you're not mixing to the right ratio. It can become furrowed and you'll feel it on the glass. And so again, you're kind of making a qualitative decision here, feeling the glass and saying, no, that doesn't feel nice and smooth anymore. It feels kind of rough. Mm-hmm. And again, if you have an infection and you can't feel like you can bleach it out, uh, it's time to get rid
0: of it. With regard to kegs, how about your kegs? How long can those last?
1: Kegs, I would say more indefinitely. Um, Just make sure you clean each part of clean it. Clean one. The only thing you can really do to destroy a keg is to bleach it. If you bleach it, you're going to cause some oxidation, you're going to kind of cause some irreversible damage, actually changing the stainless steel, from not making it stainless anymore. Um, and those flavors will leach off into your beer, so it will have like an irony uh, flavor to it. That said, take care, good care of the kegs. You're going to have to replace the seals every once in a while, but they are pretty much good indefinitely. Again, they'll fall into that stainless equipment. As long as you take care of it, you know, it should be good for just about forever. Are we forgetting any part? Anything else you need to replace? I'm trying to else? think here. Airlocks, you know, if, if you can get at them, it's a three-piece. You can clean it, use it until it starts to change color, get rid of it. S-types, if I find, like, a bunch of fruit flies, or if I let one go dry, you know, they're $1.50. Right. Time for a new one. Um, Stoppers. Yeah. Stoppers. If you don't have silicone stoppers, if you have rubber stoppers, which often give people a better seal, and, they, you know, a lot of people still like them. They also, especially with bleach for a long time, can get you know kind of furrowed and kind of start giving off some plastic.
0: So, all right, what to do, when to do it, and uh, when it's time to replace your equipment. When we get back, transporting beer is something we want to get into, and uh, we want to talk a little bit more about ciders, which we just kind of touched on last week. So we'll uh, we'll dabble into the cider realm as well. It is Niagara Traditions Just Brew It. Stay tuned right here on ESPN fifteen twenty. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Home Brew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. 1296 Sheridan Drive near Military in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24 7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit and remember to just brew it. All right, back here in Niagara Traditions, just brew it at NT Just Brew It or uh, online nthomebrew.com to uh, get all the information to submit questions to us all that good stuff we did equipment and when to replace it for uh, all you homebrewers out there how about moving beer because you know you see a lot of people doing collaborations Bert and what I think about is that's great what's the best way to get it from your place to my place if we have a a double and we split it in half and I'm going to do this yeast you're going to do that yeast just for something fun to do ways to transplant uh, transport, I should say, not only, you know, like a keg, because maybe you want to bring a keg over to a party, but you don't want to shake it up more than it already is. So yep. like, what are the tried and true methods to transporting your beer at each stage?
1: Let's talk about the, um, the transporting the wart first. So when, if you've brewed, this is a very common thing, with for home brewers, Um, and there, and there's really one or two key mistakes that get made more comical than, um, dangerous. Uh, But what you end up is you brew over at Buddy's house. If somebody has a 10-gallon system, a 15-gallon system, you guys each make five gallons. You put it into your bucket or car buoy, and then you try to get it home to your basement safely. Um, I know I think I've made every mistake on this, because I do a lot of what's called combat brewing. We go to a demo, we go to a festival, and we end up brewing or we teach a class somewhere, um, and then we have to get this beer back to the shop. Um, The first priority is don't put the yeast in until you get home right now this may seem like a pretty basic step but when you're brewing over at a buddy's house and you're going through the routine and you went to the homebrew shop together and you got your packet of yeast and you put it in there now normally you're not used for something coming up to you know croissant for maybe two days and that's normal but if it's sitting in your car you know rumbling down the road getting agitated getting oxygenated and you have a good dry yeast in there sometimes they like to start fermenting in the car ride home um, I know at the first beerology um, at the Buffalo Science Center, um, I got stuck in 198 traffic because there was construction afterwards. Um, I had this beer we pitched four or five hours ago, sitting in the passenger seat of a hot pickup truck, and uh, it started spraying all over the place. You know, wow. There wasn't much I could do besides <laughs> like trying to grab you know fast food napkins and you know pile them on top of the airlock. Um, probably looked kind of funny going down the road but um that's the first one and then the second thing you really want to do is you want to secure it so i mean at least put a seat belt on it if not like bungee it to the seat because the seat belt really doesn't hold the top of the bucket carboy w- very well if you can put a bungee <laughs> around it to kind of hold it into the seat that helps out well and this is another time where buckets definitely have an advantage over glass carboys when trying to move them around
0: so work wait wait, <laughs> wait yeah wait don't
1: put that yeast in yet It's a like I said, a comical and a common mistake, uh, but one you don't want to make.
0: How about transporting kegs? For anyone that's going to bring their beer to uh, the Dude Hates Cancer today, they're going to have to try and bring a keg, right? In theory, yeah, and this is a the
1: question keg- we've been getting a lot. And the, the kind of the problem with anybody who's done draft knows, when you put the beer into a keg and you chill it down for the first time, it does something called a cold crash. Yeast, protein, stuff that was not... Um, in suspension was uh, still happily in the liquid starts to come out and so what happens is you carbonate your beer you put it in the kegerator and you get this small layer of solids yet again down at the bottom of the kegerator Um, and so a lot of people have been coming in they're saying I want to bring my beer draft and I want to fill up growlers I don't want to beer gun it I want to bring one big draft keg to this event or the backyard you know barbecue or something like that and I don't want it to stir up on the way there. So what we actually are going to do and what we recommend doing is transferring to a fresh keg. So we're going to cold crash it. We're going to carbonate it. And we actually have that, you know, already done ahead of time earlier in the week. And then literally the day, this like, hasn't been done yet. So in an hour, hopefully a half hour going to transfer it into a fresh sanitized keg. Completely empty keg. Completely empty keg. It's been sanitized down. We've usually filled some CO2 in there. Usually just hook it up, take the disconnect off the keg that the beer is currently in. Pressurize the other keg to the same um, level. Um, And then Everybody kind of usually figures out you want to go liquid disconnect to liquid disconnect. So you're going from the bottom of one keg to the bottom of the other. This is the difference between racking and just siphoning. You know, racking is something you do with your beer. Siphoning is something you do with the, you know, neighbor's gasoline or something like that. So when you go from the bottom to bottom, you don't want to pull up that sediment. So when you first start to hook it up, have the other end open and bleed it off into a pint glass. Or just hook it up on tap and make sure you're pulling clear beer. Now, your jumper line should have the same length of hose that you normally use for your tap, hook up the jumper line, and then slowly bleed the pressure out in kind of short intervals so you don't foam the beer out into the second keg. The second thing you want to watch out for is at the end of that first keg, when the the flow really increases because you're not pushing liquid anymore at the end it's going to try to throw a bunch more sediment into the beer so you want to be there kind of you know checking on the other keg listen for the telltale sign of a dry dip tube and unhook the disconnect as soon as you hear it and don't worry about that last couple ounces of beer hook it back up drink it yourself you know don't try to get it into the fresh keg
0: now it's football season which means tailgating, which is great, but the Bills do have a policy, no kegs allowed. So if you are going to bring uh, your own homebrew, one of the things on a previous show we had mentioned would have been the uh, the, the soda bottles, the two-liter yeah. soda bottles that you can just pour in there and put tops on. So that's an idea for that.
1: Yeah, you want to ask yourself, are you ready for this football season? We're not talking about your 40 time or how much you squat or bench. We're talking about is your draft system ready? Are you ready to have friends over? Um, we sell a lot of cheap draft kits for either commercial or homebrew beer. Um And are you ready to bring your beer places? So are you ready to get it out of that keg? Do you have your beer set cold aside, ready, waiting, bottled? So time to get ready. And
0: one thing you could do, I mean, I've I've installed a two two tap kegerator, but you could just go, you know, once you turn that, you can go in steps. And the first step is buy a freezer and buy the, the dial that makes it into a kegerator. So now you're cold. Then you're, keg can go in there and then maybe if you're building this you haven't yet reached the space where you can build the tower you just have picnic taps inside your freezer that's the
1: way we encourage everybody to go is to get a picnic tap first use the draft system for a while find out what refrigerant we might go chest freezer that's what we have at the store and that's what you use they're great really energy efficient at home i use an old refrigerator so it's a little bit easier to convert you don't need to buy a thermostat you just punch a hole through the front and put your tap on and it's really that easy Mm -hmm. a couple of you know threaded connections and you're done um but always go with that picnic faucet first because if you're trying to bring your beer somewhere you can't you know don't want to take that faucet off the door but if you have a picnic faucet you can take it you can sample kegs so if you have two kegs carbonating one on draft you can sample the second one with the picnic tap and see if it's ready yet we also want to mention a bit about ciders because we've got a little more down the road coming up. Yeah, we'll have more on the road, but it's starting to get to the time of year. We're starting to see apples, and it's not really um, the cider-making apples that are ready yet. But we've been getting a lot of questions about you know, what equipment you need for cider-making. Um, you need your basic beer equipment to do a English-like style or Belgian-style sparkling cider. So if you want to do a you know light and alcohol carbonated cider, it's regular beer equipment. So if you're already making beer, you have the stuff already. Um, if you don't, you just need a basic beer making kit, and we have cider ingredients or kind of concentrate packs that can get you started, you know, a little bit ahead of season. So if you're looking about making cider, you want to might want to come and get your equipment now, have that bucket ready for when they're pressing the right apples.
0: And how how far out we think that is?
1: Um, late October to early November preference. Um, I usually make sure I get my hands on some before then. Um, and then try to leave a bucket or two somewhere to get filled up for some really good, uh, juice when it comes.
0: And we've got a, uh, a cider guy, a friend of the show. We're hoping hoping to track down,
1: hoping to get in. This is a busy, busy time of year for him. So we, we might get him more in at the end of the cider season, but we'll try to get him in here eventually.
0: All right, very good. The dude hates cancer is today. It's at uh, Resurgence on Niagara Street. If you want to head down and uh, be a part of it, twenty-five home brews that'll be available, including yours. Is, uh, is a, a, a name? I mean, for everyone looking for yours, I know you're bringing your American Porter, right? Your smoke yeah, American it's, it's actually an
1: English Brown Porter with American smoke malt and hops, right. so it's right. a little muddled. <laughs> okay, it's in a BJCP. Competition—you can mix and match. Um, no, it's just a classic. I think it will be, a, a little, you know, still a nice light dark beer. I know that's kind of a oxymoron, but light bodied dark beer, something nice for summer. Yeah. A little different, I think, than what most people bring to events like this. Usually, when you're drinking one ounce, people go for high alcohol. I'm gonna but.
0: forget. I'm, I just—I was in Rochester. I was at Swiftwater Swiftwater Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. They have a porter there that is exactly that—dry. Light, you know. A lot of times you order a porter; it's going to be. Um, I like porters, coffee porters, chocolate porters.
1: We if always I, think of Edmund Fitzgerald, too, yeah, which is a you know a pretty big, robust American.
0: And if I can get one of those that's on the drier side, yeah, I mean, like that's happiness for me. It's a dry porter, and uh, I'd recommend Swiftwater Brewing Company. I forget what they call it, but it was their porter, and it's good. All right, that'll do it for us this week. We'll be back next Saturday head out to the dude t- the dude excuse me the dude hates cancer it's at resurgence it's today it's for a good cause and it's got good beer as well until next saturday you can find all our shows online at wgr550.com in our on demand audio portion of our website and uh, of course we're back here next week on ESPN 1520 Jeremy White and Burt Deister. happy saturday go, go brew, brew yourself, yourself you've been listening to just brew it brought to you by niagara tradition homebrew whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started visit them at 1296 sheridan drive in tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of just brew it